Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast, the Halloween edition. Very exciting. And for some reason, everybody in the NBA right now has a upper respiratory infection. I don't even know. Is that? I think I didn't even know that was something that's contagious infections, but apparently it is because the Timberwolves all have it. Uh, one player of I wouldn't say normally of significance, but because it's only four games, DeMontis Sabonis having an upper respiratory infection, that's going to be significant for this slate. So that's the first game, the Sacramento Kings at the Indiana Pacers. Like I was saying, we've got Sabonis with the upper respiratory infection. Miles Turner's already been ruled out with a concussion. Supposedly he's getting closer to a return, but he's not there yet, so we're still without him. There's not a lot of depth in the Pacers' front court. That's going to make a big difference in this game. From the Kings' side of the game, Zach Randolph's questionable with a sore foot. If he can't play, it's probably going to be Scalabissier starting in his place. Uh, I think people might be a little scared off by Scal because he was very chalky in the Kings game on Sunday when he started, and he did not do well. Overall, the Kings just got blasted by the Wizards in that game. They lost by, I don't even remember what the final score was, but they were down by something like 40. And even though they were starting all the young guys, they didn't play any of those guys in the fourth quarter. So Scal didn't play in the fourth. De'Aaron Fox didn't play in the fourth quarter. Uh, Scal starts in place of Randolph. I think he's a really strong play at 4,600. Willie Cauley Stein at 5,400. He would get a boost. I think something to look out for is what is the king, who are the Kings going to start at guard for this game? Bogdan Bogdanovich, only 4,300. He's looked really good so far, and he's probably one of the best players on the roster right now. So I, I think that it's hard to say who's going to play minutes for the Kings, what the rotation with the lineup is going to look like this far out in advance because they've switched around so much. But I think Bogdanovich at 4,300 could end up being a really strong play if he starts. Then from the Pacer side of the game, we've got Sabonis questionable. I think Thaddeus Young is going to have to play a ton of minutes. With Miles Turner and possibly Sabonis out, Thaddeus Young only 5,200. They're going to have to run a lot of small ball lineups. Al Jefferson's probably going to have to get a decent amount of run. He's only 3,600. His minutes are a little bit capped. He's probably going to play like at most 22 to 25 minutes, but he's still been scoring over fantasy point per minute, even at this stage of his career. So even in only 20 plus minutes, you could still expect him to score 20 plus fantasy points at 3,600. We only need 18 fantasy points from him. So he's a pretty decent value. Uh, nobody else that I really think is a really standout play from this part of the game. The other issue with the Kings is just that they they spread the rotation out so thin. I guess that's an issue, although it becomes less of an issue if there are injuries like the Zach Randolph injury, if he doesn't end up playing, that if he's not there, then maybe spreading out the rotation just doesn't become as much of a concern. I agree with all the, all the value plays that you've mentioned, especially so if Randolph doesn't play, but I think that there's some decent upside for the Kings, even if Randolph is in. And uh, I'm not really worried about a blowout here, like with the Wizards game. There's actually some sharp money on the Kings. They open at plus six. They're now only plus five, even with the public all taking Indiana to the tune of something like 90%. So the Kings, I think, should be able to keep the game close. It should be a fairly high-scoring game with the 210-point total, and they're very inexpensive. Do you think that there's just extra inherent variance with teams like the Kings and then the Nets, who we'll get to, where relative to maybe their baseline projections, there's just added variance because the minutes could fluctuate so heavily on a given night where just there are a lot of low usage players on both teams where on any given night someone could end up dominating the usage that doesn't usually get to do so? I wouldn't even call that much variance. There's just not a lot of upside in a lot of those players. It doesn't matter as much when there's a four-game slate. 
like we're just going to have to roster some Kings players or some Nets players probably on this slate. But there's so much less upside in somebody who you know their best case scenario is that they play like 26 minutes. Whereas with other players, you kind of look at them and they go like, okay, this guy usually plays 32 minutes, but sometimes he plays 40, maybe sometimes he plays a little less minutes. With teams like the Nets and the Suns who are on the slate and the Kings, it's just a lot of guys who play like 22 to 28 minutes. And just usually a lot of those guys don't have much upside. All right, I think that, that makes some sense. But there could be increased upside, I guess, with a game stack here because we always have the potential for overtime. We're looking at one overtime game right now uh, as we're recording this. The Heat and Wolves are in overtime. With there being a lot of cheap players on both sides to use, and especially if Sabonis and Randolph are both out, then I think the upside does increase, but maybe not individually. It would just increase for game stacks. So that doesn't really change anything if you're going for cash plays or just using plugs from the game. But for full game stacks, I think there's a lot of upside here, even though maybe it's only because of overtime. But I guess you also sometimes just have games where the pace becomes very high just for no reason. One team starts playing at a fast tempo, then the other team starts playing at a fast tempo, and there's probably some correlation there where the game is just way more up-tempo than you'd expect based on the raw numbers. So there's there's always a lot of upside in game stacks, I think, just clarifying why we do a lot of that. Because there, there are a number of reasons why a game can be a lot more high-scoring than expected, and usually it's a factor that impacts both sides of the game. Uh, well, the next game on the slate should be really high-scoring, and I think is very stackable, and that is the Phoenix Suns at the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, this game, both these teams are high-paced. It's the only game where both teams are an up-tempo team. So Kings, Pacers, the Kings are a slow-paced team, Pacers up-paced, uh, Thunder, Bucks, both those teams are low-paced teams. And then there's the Pistons-Lakers game where the Pistons are a low-paced team and the Lakers are a high-paced team. But this game, both teams play at a high pace. Just the issue is who's going to play minutes. From the Sun side of the game, Devin Booker, 7,900. I think he's a strong play. I know he's going to play around 35 or so minutes. Other than that, I have no clue where the minutes are. So TJ Warren, is he going to play 30-plus minutes? Is he going to play 20 minutes? I don't know. I think he's worth a GPP play. Tyson Chandler, he's pretty capped around low 20s minutes. And then Mike James and Tyler Eulis, I think both of them are pretty difficult to roster because it's just an even split at the point guard so far. They're both playing around 24 minutes a game. Maybe if Ulysses plays a little better, he ends up playing 26 minutes. Same thing with Mike James. But neither one of them am I like, really crazy about rostering. Uh, Marquise Chris at 4,100, uh, I guess. <laughs> he's, uh, let's see, he's minutes. He's played 20 minutes, 23 minutes, 29 minutes, 15 minutes, 17 minutes. So what he's going to play probably 18 to 25 minutes. This is a really messy slate. With uh, We just have every team that plays a deep bench. So I think there's some upside in Marquise Chris just because he can put up a lot of points in a short amount of minutes, but he's probably not going to get to the 30-plus minute range. From the net side of the game, uh, Tamari Carroll's questionable. If he's not able to play, it's definitely a boost for Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I think he's the safest bet on the net to play a ton of minutes. D'Angelo Russell, 7,300, I think would normally be decent in this matchup, but also same thing last couple games, 24 minutes for Russell, 17 minutes. So part of that has been because he's coming off the knee injury, so we have to pay attention to beat reports tomorrow. Is D'Angelo Russell going to be unrestricted, or is he going to be held into around a 25-minute cap? If that's the case, 25 minutes for Russell is almost impossible from the payoff value at 7,300. 
So really, he'd have to be around 30 minutes for me to consider rostering him. Uh, so I think Hollis Jefferson's a decent play. Karis LeVert is a decent play. Uh, nobody else do I really want to roster on the Nets, though. It's frustrating with Nets games because there are a lot of really, really high totals when the Nets are playing, and you'd think there are a lot of players to roster because the game figures to have a ton of points, but it's just really hard to figure out who's going to get the minutes and who's going to get the shots, and in most cases, it's just nobody. They don't have a lot of players who take a lot of shots in a lot of minutes because they spread the minutes out so thin. Also, I think the there's not additional value in the Nets and Suns really to be playing each other because both teams are playing so fast usually anyway. A lot of it's priced in. So I don't really think that either team is benefiting from some extraordinary matchup because they both kind of do it for themselves in their own way. The Nets, their players have a lot of good production because they play so fast. Same with the Suns. So even though both teams are bad at defense, I really don't think that there's a ton of value here. If Damari Carroll sits, then it opens up some value on the net side. But I really don't like a lot of players from this game individually. It's just, it's a stackable game, but individually speaking, it's just, there aren't a lot of players to really look at. Yeah, and just the issue is, it's it's a good matchup because it is expected to be high scoring. Definitely higher scoring than the other games. And just both teams are so bad on defense. From that standpoint, it's appealing. But then the issue is just that if nobody's going to play more than 25 minutes... I, I, it just makes it more difficult. Uh, without really a great guy to pay up for, I, I do think that Booker is one of the safer payer, players to pay up for. Uh, big usage boost with Bledsoe out of the lineup now. And he's been just really involved the last couple games. And that also was something that happened last year after they shut down Eric Bledsoe. Like we saw Booker was priced at over 8000 for a point in time at the end of last year. And he went on like a pretty big like four or five game stretch where he scored like 40 plus fantasy points in a row so I think he's fine at a uh, 7900 price tag uh, next game on the slate Oklahoma City Thunder at the Milwaukee Bucks so Russell Westbrook still the usage is way down the Bucks are one of the best teams in the league at defending point guards so I think 11,200 that's a little steep for me to pay for Westbrook in this matchup Paul George at 7500 I think is a strong play for the Thunder so George basically has like the same price as Carmelo now. And I think a lot of people will look at George's recent games and say, like, oh, he hasn't he hasn't been as good, he's not playing as many minutes. But the Bulls game was a blowout, so we only played twenty eight minutes. He played well in the Minnesota game. That was probably his best game on the team. And then his uh he was in foul trouble in both the Indiana games and the Minnesota games. He fouled out nineteen minutes against the Pacers. So that's part of the reason why his price is down. He's all the way down to 7500 I think George is a strong play on this slate for that price. And then from the Milwaukee side of the game, Giannis at 12500 That's a lot to pay for him against a good defensive team. Also a game that probably isn't going to be ridiculously high-paced. I mean, as good as Giannis has been this year, I do think it makes some sense. Uh, where I think the best value on this side of the game is John Henson is likely going to be starting at center for the Bucs. He's only 4100 I don't think Jensen's a particularly good player, except he does have a lot of DFS upside. He blocks shots. He gets a lot of rebounds. And without Monroe in the lineup, Monroe is expected to miss the next couple weeks with a calf injury. We could see 30-plus minutes from Henson at 4,100. I think he's a very safe bet to pay off his value. So I think I agree with mostly everything you're saying here, except maybe on Giannis. And the only reason is I do think it's a little expensive for him. But if we're using a lot of cheap players from, let's say, the Nets or especially from the Pacers and Kings— who are you paying up for on this slate? Because 
we've mentioned a lot of cheap guys that we like. I think there is a lot of cheap value here, but the expensive guys seem to be overpriced. So you kind of have to pick someone. Um, and I definitely prefer Giannis to Russell Westbrook. And we're, the game that we'll get to next doesn't really have any expensive players either. So in terms of lineup construction, where are you going for expensive players? Is it just Giannis by default or is there another guy to use? No, I think it's I think it's fine to build pretty balanced lineups for this slate. So like Paul George at seventy five hundred, uh, Devin Booker at seventy nine hundred. Yeah, it would be Drummond and Reggie Jackson, I guess, from the next game. Yeah, when we when we talk about the Detroit side of the game, like there's nobody who's really cheap that I like. Like uh, John Henson's forty one hundred. It's not like he's a it's not like he's a punt or anything. Uh, Ronde House Jefferson's like fifty five hundred. Like I just think there's going to be a lot of guys in the mid price range that kind of makes sense, unless there's just an absurd amount of injuries tomorrow. So like even if Scal starts, I mean he's in the mid four thousands. So I don't really think there's anybody I love that's like a, a a true punt at like a bare minimum price. Yeah, that's fair. I guess we probably are going to be using a lot of players in the forty five hundred to fifty five hundred range. So then you end up just needing one or two guys that cost between seven and nine thousand, and then that that's how you round out your lineup. That's probably fair because I really don't think anyone that costs more than maybe eight thousand is that good of a play on this slate. So one of the guys also was a really strong play as we get to the next game, the Pistons at the Lakers. Andre Drummond at 8,200. Drummond has been able to stay on the court a lot more this year than in previous years. He is now shooting, well, his free throw has come down a little bit, but he's still shooting 70% from the free throw line. Considering he was a 38% free throw shooter last year, that's such a big difference. Like, he's almost a league average free throw shooter. And before, if there was a reasonably close game, and Drummond was on the court in the fourth quarter. Teams just intentionally foul him, and Stan Van Gundy would have to take him out of the have to take him out of the game. And now that he's making them at a reasonable rate, teams can't just intentionally foul him because he's going to make the free throws, and it's a negative value situation for the other team. So Drummond that that itself probably adds a few minutes per game onto Drummond's uh, minutes average. Eighty two hundred. I think he's a really strong play. I think this is a really good matchup for him against Brook Lopez. And then uh, Reggie Jackson, 6,200. I think he's a decent play. Avery Bradley at 5,700. I think he's fine. Uh, Tobias Harris at 6,700. I don't really think there's a lot of value there. I think that's a pretty fair price. But I think he's worth looking at GBPs just because he has had a bunch of really big games recently. Let's see. What is what have Julius Randle's minutes looked like recently? He's really he cheap, is. though. So I think on any given game, it seems like he could get a lot of minutes. He's probably worth a flyer at least. Yeah, on a short slate, I think he is. He still he hasn't played more than twenty four minutes in a game yet this year. I still do expect one game we're just going to find out. Okay, Julius Randle is the starting power forward now. So when that happens, I think he's going to have a lot of value. I think Brook Lopez at fifty five hundred is really interesting for a short slate. So Brook Lopez's minutes have been way down. You look at his last few games: seventeen minutes, twenty two minutes, twenty three minutes, seventeen minutes. But Brook Lopez is still the starting center. He's still the all around best player on the Lakers. And I do think that he has big games in him and definitely games where he's going to play a lot of minutes. Like, he played 29 minutes in the opener. He played 32 minutes in the second game of the year. There's going to be a point in time where Lopez plays 30-plus minutes again, and it's worth taking the fire on it on a four-game slate. 5,500 is way too cheap for Brook Lopez, so I think he makes a lot of sense. KCP 4,800, he has minutes security. Lonzo Ball at 7,000. I'm not crazy about playing him at 7,000, but... Once again, minute security, I think, is tough to come by in this slate. And Lonzo Ball is going to play a lot of minutes. So his minutes played by game, uh, 36, 32, 39, 36, 37. Yeah, I like Lonzo Ball at 7,000 because he's going to play 
a decent amount of minutes, and I don't feel that way about anybody else on the slate for the most part. So just to clarify a couple players that you mentioned, if you're playing Brooke Lopez and Julius Randle, I think it makes zero sense to put them together. I think you use one or the other in a GPP because it does seem like that only one of them has been able to get big minutes in games. If Lopez is playing, Randall's not, and vice versa. I, I actually don't know if they've spent any time together on the court at all, but if they have, it's been very limited time. So I think it makes sense to use one or the other in almost every lineup because I'd imagine that one of them probably has a pretty good game. And uh, I think this game is pretty good for stacking a lot of sort of mid-priced players that kind of is the route that we've mentioned. So for stackable games, I think it's the first game we talked about and then this game with Kings Pacers and then Lakers uh, against the Pistons because the Suns-Nets game will probably have higher ownership with a lot of people just looking at the Vegas total there. I think it... It makes some sense to fade it on a smaller slate, and it's pretty easy to fade that Thunder uh, Bucks game too. There are a lot of big name players, high price players in that game, except for Paul George, who who I do like, who you mentioned. So I think just overall strategy, my route would be stack the Pacers Kings game, stack the Lakers Pistons game, and then just use a couple plugs from the other two games because I think those will be the games that have higher ownership. Is there anything else that you have in terms of general outlook? No, not really. Just a you know short slate, and definitely, it's. I don't think this is a cash game playable slate at all. Just GPP on four game slate, and then just have to look out for. There's always going to be some unexpected injury news. Like today, it ended up being nothing, but Marcus Sol getting added, questionable with the sprained ankle. So you never know who's going to pop up on the injury report or where that's going to create value. So just always that'll be something to pay attention for, and maybe where some other unexpected players come into play. We'll have to yeah monitor the injuries closely because it's been. It's been a wild last 30 minutes before lock on a couple occasions already this season, and especially so on Monday night. So hopefully we don't have as much to deal with on Tuesday, but also if we do have a lot to deal with, it could mean some extra value. So it's a, it's a lot of work, but it's also potentially a lot better to have all of this craziness going on. So that will finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRNBergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And we'll be back with a podcast tomorrow.